Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,430. Don't be afraid to fail often and fail fast. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car have two cars or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYA and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Southern California, Grant Delgatti. Hey, Grant, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am, Mark. Uh, looking forward to this. Thank you. All right. Grant Delgatti is the Associate Professor and Chair of Product Development at Iovine and Young Academy at the University of Southern California. A significant portion of Grant's career has been in athletic footwear, where he has led design teams for a number of successful shoe companies. In 2013, Grant founded the company Irby, where he invented a super compact folding e-vehicle designed as a last-minute transportation solution for urban commuters. Over 6,000 Irbys have been sold and shipped in over 40 countries worldwide. From 2007 to 2018, he taught at Art Center, his alma mater, Grant holds several utility and design patents, has won many awards for his designs, has been published extensively, and was included on the list of Southern California entrepreneurs to watch back in 2015. So Grant, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and your passion for design and automobiles? Sure. Well, you know, I'd say that my my love affair for cars and vehicles in general started like I'm sure many of your guests at a 
very young age. I remember playing with all of my Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars as a kid, and and I was really into Lego, and I would always, you know, get these uh, Lego kits that were usually vehicle related, and and because I liked the ones that had the wheels that you could spin, and they had the rubber, and you could kind of change them out, and I would I would typically just throw away the box and, and start building something of my own design uh, without, you know, ever, ever actually building the thing that I was supposed to build. And, and so, yeah, it was uh, something that I just, I just loved doing. And, and I've, uh, I've had a, you know, a few interesting cars uh, that I've owned in my life. And, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I just think cars are the kind of the coolest expression of design and speed and, and, and all that goes with it. Well, I met Grant during Car Week down there in Monterey, uh, Pebble Beach, and saw one of these Irbys, which I thought was pretty cool. And we're going to talk about that and a lot more as we continue on your life's journey. But first, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Grant, take the wheel. Ha. Huh. Well, I didn't know you were going to ask this one, but uh, but I have a few. I I, uh, I especially love some of the quotes that uh, that Henry Ford is is known for, and um, you know it was interesting. Uh, there was one that I shared not too long ago with one of my students, and uh, a student was you know taking a product design class that I was teaching and wasn't necessarily a product designer, was a business student and was concerned that, that, that he wouldn't be able to come up with a solution for this problem that, uh, that he had kind of realized was something that could be maybe designed around. And, and so he said, you know, I just, I'm not a designer. I don't think I can do it. And I, I, I said, well, you know, Henry Ford made, uh, made this quote and I, and I don't have it in front of me. So I'm, I'm hoping that I get it right, but it, okay. it's <laughs> something to the effect of whether you think you can or you think you can't, that is what will happen or something to that effect, you know? So I, I think the end of that quote goes, you're right. You're it's right. That That's it. Whether, yes. whether you think you That's can it. or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah, I love you're that right. quote. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> that quote too. So I'm 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 kind of this eternal optimist that uh, you know if there's a problem that needs to be solved, that's something that you can just put your mind to it. You'll be able to figure out a way around it. Yeah, you know, I I went to school and studied uh, graphic design and also studied business, and I worked for 11 years in the graphic design advertising industry. And then I went on to work at a company called Griot's Garage, where I got to design a lot of unique things that we had produced and sold in the automotive sector. And I remember talking to some design, I ended up being the president of the company and running it, but I remember talking to some of the creative folks that I hired, and we were trying to come up with a design for something that already existed from the manufacturer, but we wanted to make it our own and brand it. And so I kind of handed it off to this guy, and he'd never done industrial design either and he was really nervous about the whole thing and and he's he said the same thing to me and it's funny because you you brought back a flood of memories here he said i'm not sure i can do this and i said well if you don't think you can you're right yeah and he kind of looked at me like whoa and i said well there's a great quote by a guy named henry ford and i used that same quote he ended up doing a great job kind of helped him along a little bit but uh 
I think it's right in any aspect of life, right? If you think you can't do it, you're absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you have to you have to go into a project with a with a winning attitude. And you yes. know, I, I think if you have this sense of pessimism, that is just going to be kind of the underlying denominator that, that your project will end up having. You know, you've gotta be just thinking Surely there's a way you can do this. And and many times in my career, I've had, you know, a number of individuals that have told me, well, that's impossible. You know, you can't do that. This, this will never work. I would say that probably more than half the time that, that those comments have been made to me, I've figured out some way to, to solve the problem, you know, doing it yeah. the way that I thought we could. So, yeah. Imagine if your surgeon didn't have that attitude <laughs> and he cut you. Cut you open and found something that wasn't quite normal. I've got friends that are surgeons and they say many times they'll go in, you know, an operation and once they get somebody open, it's not what they thought it was going to be. And they certainly can't stop and go, well, never seen that before. Can't figure that one out. Uh, they just got to figure it out and get it done. So, uh, I love that quote. It's a great quote. Henry Ford has some super quotes. How about a, how about a story that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment in your life and you knew? You were going to be a car guy. Does it go back to those days of Lego building or is there something else you want to share? Yeah, you know, I think one of my earliest memories was my dad and I, uh, and I was a young boy. I forget how old I was, maybe 10 or so. And I remember that we had, um, my dad, I think, had found some parts. You know, I think he found this old uh, baby stroller. And we had some kind of wood line around the house and things like that. And and I remember that I wanted to make a go-kart and I wanted to use these parts uh, from the stroller. So we built this thing. We kind of designed it. My dad helped me. And, you know, it was, it was a pretty rickety thing. And it was really only meant to be kind of pushed down the alley that we lived in. And there was a handle on the baby buggy that was this, you know, this thin walled metal, chrome metal, you know, bar for a push bar. And we had uh, bolted that into the body, uh, this wood, you know, plywood body as a roll bar. And it was kind of more like just for fun. And it was a way to actually push, push it around as well. At the end of our street, we lived on a really steep, aggressive hill that was not meant to be ridden down in a go-kart but one day i remember my my buddies my buddies were over and i was feeling all confident and cool and of course my parents had no idea that i was planning on on doing this but i remember pushing this this little go-kart of mine up to the top of this hill and uh not having the the kind of the the wherewithal to know that the only braking system that we had was actually the little lever that was designed to lock the the tire in place so that it wouldn't roll, but not oh. slow it, not slow a tire down. Oh. And, and I and I thought, well, this is a break, right? And so I start going down this hill and I'm picking up speed. I'm realizing, well, you know, I better I better slow this thing down. So I I knew not to like jam it in place, but so I'm trying to like slowly pull this lever so it starts to touch the the you know the white rubber tires of this old stroller and of course the second it makes a contact with the the tire it instantly just you know spins off and breaks and goes flying off like a <laughs> propeller 
And now I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm free coasting down this hill and gaining speed. And I, you know, I have no brakes. So I knew I had to take the widest turn possible into the street that we lived on. And I did, but when I did the, the two outer tin clad wheels simultaneously bent at 90 degrees and yeah. <laughs> the the axle bolts dug into the ground and caused the entire thing to roll over. And so the, the actual little push bar that we had designed as a roll bar came in handy because I'm sitting there sliding down the, the, the street upside down with this roll bar saving my life, which, uh, you know, in, in oh, retrospect was, was a pretty good thing. <laughs> But I remember yeah. that, that was that that <laughs> exhilaration that I had uh, was kind of the 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 first time that I was like, you know what, I could do this for the rest of my life and be perfectly happy. Yeah, yeah. I just learned a little bit about proper design and uh, forces of gravity, and maybe a, a little baby buggy wasn't quite designed for those speeds or those cornering speeds either. No. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm glad you're still with us. Uh, I think yep. a lot of kids have probably done stuff like that. So yeah, absolutely. I did take that into my later years in life. So I've actually, you might not have known this ahead of time, but I've been, I've actually been in four of the Red Bull soapbox races that, uh, as oh, an adult. Oh, yeah. okay. And, okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, so I have, uh, I have kind of taken that, that sort of that fondness of being on a very small, uh, gravity, you know, vehicle, and I was clocked at 40 miles an hour going down the streets of Los Angeles uh, one time. Oh, my a, gosh. In a Winnebago dressed as uh, Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. I've seen a few good uh, YouTube crashes of uh, the Red Bull events. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, those are crazy. Wild. Well, there you never know where your skill and experience will take you in the future. So there you go. Let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, talk about a big challenge or a big failure. Kind of walk us through a time that was a struggle, but more importantly, what was the learning lesson there that you came out of in a positive way on the other end? Yeah, you know, I've actually given a lecture on failure, and and, uh, it's it's funny that you said that because I my license plate on my car actually says fail often. So it's 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 an appropriate question for me. I have a philosophy, and I think you've heard this this term for entrepreneurs, and um, a lot of times they use the, the the terminology "fail fast, fail often." And in fact, the license plate on my other car says "fail fast," so um, so I got them both, which is pretty pretty cool. But the idea of failure to me is that if we if you want to sort of put a metaphor to it, it's like you know if you're in a race car and you're not doing the practice session to the point where the car, the tires are going to give and you're going to slide off the edge of the track. If you don't get to that point, you'll never know how fast you can actually take that, that turn, right? You'll never know how quickly you can make it around the track. And so my, my view on failure is, is that, you know, you always want to push it to the point where it doesn't work. And that way, you know, okay, well, that didn't work. But if I bring it back a little bit, you know, I can solve this problem in a certain way where it is going to work and it's going to do it the fastest or the best or or the most efficient or whatever it is that you're trying you know, to figure out. You're going to be able to figure it out because of the multiple failures that have gotten you there. Well, take us down a path of, let's say, some point in your career where you met up with something like that. 
Walk us through that, the specifics of that. And then again, tell us what was the lesson there so you could come back a winner. Yeah, you know, and and sometimes you can take failure too far and, you know, and you get to the, the point where maybe you could fix it, but for whatever reason, you know, it's not going to allow you to do that. And one of the examples that I've given in my career, so I was, I was in the footwear industry for, for many years. And my last sort of job as an employee of a company, uh, I was head of design at Vans uh, Shoes. And I decided at one point in my career while I was working at Vans that I wanted to kind of step out and do my own thing and become an entrepreneur. And I had an idea for this really interesting kind of revolutionary new way of building shoes and a a way of attaching an upper to a sole using a mechanical attachment as opposed to the traditional method, which is bonding or, you know, gluing a sole onto an upper. The way that it worked, um, it allowed the sole then to be taken off and on. And so the, the, there was a few benefits to that. There was the, the consumer was able to actually purchase shoes in part. So you could buy different uppers and one sole and you could interchange the uppers with the sole or you could buy one upper and different, a bunch of different colored soles. And that way you could, you know, have the same upper, but then, you know, match your soul to whatever outfit you were wearing that day. So there's kind of these, these sort of cool customization, you know, benefits to the idea. But then also on top of it, because it was able to be uh, mechanically removed from the upper, it allowed the soles then to be made with a recyclable material. So it was a very sustainable product as well. So when you, you know, when you wore through the sole, you could take the sole off and and send it in, and we would send you a new sole, and then that sole would be able to be re- reground and reused in the injection molding process that that made the soles. And so there was like, there's like these really cool sort of you know features that it had, and I was able to get an investor to to invest in the company, and we were we had uh, lots of. Uh, uh, retail stores that loved the idea and had kind of made some initial orders and and we were testing the product out and everything was working great and I had all my friends and family that were wearing the shoes for about you know six months or so with no problems and we decided to pull the trigger and, and go into production so we ordered you know I think the the attachment was these little rubber o-rings that would loop through the were attached to the bottom of the upper and would loop through slots in the sole and kind of grab on, you know, lock on to the bottom of the sole where the, uh, the uh, tread pattern actually had kind of this engagement for these O-rings. And uh, so we had ordered about 6 million of these O-rings and, and we uh, got about a week into production of about a five week production run at a factory. We were building them in Mexico and I was down there at the time and, and uh, we got about a week into production and all of a sudden, a number of the shoes that my friends and family had been wearing were starting to break. The O-rings were, were, were breaking and it almost happened like it, it seemed like within a week we had maybe four or five examples, including my own. And um, we knew that there was there was something wrong. And so we stopped production just to kind of see what, what the issue was. And it turned out that the material that was, we were using for these O-rings, when the distributor sold them to us, they told us there was a 10-year shelf life. But what we 
what we failed to really do and and in our due diligence we didn't really know exactly what that meant i guess we assumed and what it meant was the shelf life meaning that in the in the way that the product was intended so these o-rings were intended to be embedded inside a a machine to create a seal and although it had properties that were really great as far as the elasticity and the and the strength and all of that that if this material was exposed to ozone and UV, it would go uh, brittle within about six months. And oh, so, yeah. so that was something that we hadn't accounted for. And now we had six million O-rings that weren't going to work because obviously the environment that our product was meant for was, uh, you know, to be exposed to UV and ozone. Right. Yeah. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, huh. Yeah. So it was, it was a big, it was a big deal. And, uh, you know, we had to cancel. Uh, all these orders with with these retailers, and we had to go back to the drawing board, and we eventually got it fixed after probably I don't know six different iterations and testing and all this stuff. But it took about eighteen months, and uh, in that time frame, we we kind of burnt through all of the investment money that that we had, and it wasn't we weren't able to get any more investment because we didn't really have a track record that was you know, positive to investors. And, and so we ended up, you know, kind of running out of money. And even though we fixed the problem and we had a, you know, we knew how to solve it at that point, we were kind of done as far as the, the concept. Oh, geez. Well, a wild story. And, uh, I guess, you know, we'll use the word assume and we all know what happens when we assume bad things typically happen. So, wow, what a story. That's wild. Well, uh, I appreciate you sharing that time. Uh, definitely not a really fun time, but definitely a learning experience uh, and certainly things for people in the future to think about when they're using one product designed for one thing in a different way uh, that you need to do a lot more testing. Well, let's go into something a little more fun. You uh, mentioned early in our talk that you have had some fun cars. What was your first really special car? Well, my very first car I bought and I'd actually had some interesting jobs when I was was fairly young as a teenager and I'd saved up some money. And my first car was a 72 uh, BMW 2002. And, uh, but I only had it for about a week because when we bought it, we realized that the, uh, the dealership that we had bought it from, um, there was a number of issues with the car that had kind of been masked over a little bit when I bought it. And so I was a little unaware of kind of some of the issues. So I was able to actually take that car back. So it wasn't, it technically it was my first car, but it wasn't really my first car. But my first car that that really was the thing that that I loved and was special. I had it for about three or four years as a teenager. Was a uh, a low nose fifty seven Carmen Ghia, and um, it's actually a, I I believe I sent you the photo of me standing next yeah. to it in circa nineteen eighty eight. So I've got the. Uh, uh-huh the outfit on to, to kind of prove that, but, um, eighties jacket. Yeah. I noticed yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. But that was, uh, that was my baby. That was a, that was a fun car. And I actually did a, a lot of the work to it. I lived, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. And, um, so it wasn't too common to see, you know, these were kind of, we had a, a, this at the time it was called the cow look, you know, it was lowered. I, so we had about a four inch clearance on the bottom and, and, uh, you know, I'd, uh, done up the motor. It was an 1835 CC and it had dual Del Lordo 40 mil carbs and angle 110 cam and a, you know, uh, 
Bosch coil. And, you know, so it, it had all these really cool bells and whistles at about 110 horsepower. So I could pretty much beat any Mustang 5.0 to the other end of the intersection. And then, of course, they would leave me at that point. But uh, it was fun. And I'm a designer, so I put a lot of time and effort into, like, designing underneath the bonnet. And I had, like, these, you know, mirrored firewalls and, you know, logos and lit up things. And, yeah, so it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, very cool. I had a 67 gear in high school that I, right after I bought it, stripped it all apart and redid the whole car. Uh, many similar things, dual Delardos, uh, built up the engine, special wheels, all that fun stuff. That was my high school and uh, first three years of college car. So they're yeah. really cool cars. 57, though, uh, very distinct, different kind of body look. I mean, they look the same, but there was a lot of elements back in 57 compared to 67 that were quite different. But uh, that car still holds a nice place uh, in my heart as well. Yeah. What has yeah. you excited today about what you're working on there at the school and the students? Uh, what do you see the future of design here uh, for our students going forward? What is you excited and fired up at USC these days? Yeah, you know, so USC, the school that I teach at was founded uh, only about six years ago. One of the newest schools at USC, and it was founded by... Jimmy Iovine and Andre Young, uh, which probably better known as Dr. Dre, these guys, they had uh, founded the company Beats and sold it to Apple. And when they sold it to Apple for, you know, a lot of money, they kind of wanted, they, they wanted to give back, but also they realized that when they were running this company, they were looking for students that were good designers, but also had a real good head on their shoulders for technology and engineering and kind of all of the, you know, all of the the stuff to make the product work well. But then they also were looking for students that had those things, but a good head on their shoulders as far as business and entrepreneurship and understanding kind of the, the customer and the consumer and, and things like this. And so they were they were always looking for talent to come and to hire and bring into the company that had kind of this nice spectrum of education where they not only had design, but also technology and, and, and business. And they weren't really finding schools that were focused on the intersection of those three things. And so they, when they sold the company, they decided to partner with USC to found a school that specifically looks at bringing up students and giving them an education in not one of those things and going super deep into them, but actually the where those three things converge. And, and it becomes a really interesting opportunity for students to have kind of this broad spectrum understanding of how those three different entities really work together. And that's that's what we're focused on at the school and, and, and teaching. Very cool. Well, USC has a special place in my heart. My late father-in-law went to school there. Loved that school. Uh, everything in the house was USC everywhere. And uh, uh, always spoke really fondly of USC. So I think it's great that this new school's there. Uh, teaching young people uh, to be creative. Very interesting history, too, on how it was founded. So that's very cool. Well, Grant, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. 
When you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride and when you're ready to check out enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10 percent off your order that's edelbrock automotive performance since 1938 you take care of your cars but who takes care of your investments tune-ups aren't just for engines updating your financial plan is important too your gps may take you from a to b but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom for that you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor chris kimball cfp is just the man for the job he'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy for over 25 years chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments with a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Grant, we're back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. For a creative guy like you, I'm very interested to hear how you're going to answer this. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifested as a car, a vehicle, what would Grant be and why? What would I be if I woke up and I was a car? Uh, You know, it's very interesting. I would probably want to wake up and find myself being a Lamborghini Mira. Okay, nice. Uh, um, and 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 the re- the reason why why I think I would want to be a Mira is that it is for me one of the cars that is you know I just saw one the other day and it's it's kind of like it's one of these cars that that I've seen throughout my life a lot of different car shows you'll go to and there a lot of times there'll be one there and it's really the one car that I can I can look at for I could probably look at it for hours and I could always find something new about it. There's always something that went unnoticed the last time I looked at it and it sort of reinvents itself every time I I see that car and and if I'm ever in the financial position to own one I will definitely own one because it is absolutely one of my favorite all-time cars but you know, it is it is it is a timeless design. It's sexy. It's beautiful. It's the lines I feel are on that car. Something that that just really can't be created with kind of the modern technology, the way that they're creating cars 
digitally now. I don't think it just feels like it was literally sculpted by a master sculptor. And, you know, I, yeah, that's it. For me, that would be it. <laughs> yeah. The Lamborghini, one of the most beautiful cars I think ever made. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just absolutely outstanding. And, Probably one of those bucket list cars for so many people uh, because they're just, you know, they're so cool. So uh, I love it. Yeah, the Mira, one of the most beautiful cars out there. Well, we are entering the last lap here, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Mira throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Take it to the limit and learn to steer with the throttle. Oh, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. How about one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Don't be afraid to fail. There you go. Back to that fail. I love it. How about a resource? Is there one you think our listeners would like to use that you go to often? A website, an app, a, maybe it's a person, a supplier? Funny enough, I love looking at Dwell. <laughs> I just think that... Oh, uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, I, the uh, house, yeah, the House uh, magazine and website. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I just I just think, you know, I, I a lot of times I relate, my father's an architect, I relate architecture to design a lot and, and just use of space. I think uh, there's a, there can be a lot of crossover between great automotive design and, and great spatial design. And, and so, yeah. for me, I get a lot of inspiration yeah. from looking at Dwell. Well, I do the same. My father was an architect as well, so I pick up a lot of those design aspects. Uh, and if you think about Frank Lloyd Wright, he was very much into cars and had some very interesting cars being a architect, but also very much into design. So yeah, I like Dwell very much. How about if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, maybe a leading designer, living or deceased, who would it be? Uh, I'd have to go with Henry. <laughs> Back to Henry Ford. Yeah, he's the most recommended guy here. Definitely. Everyone would love to sit down and talk to Henry Ford. That would be something special. Now, is there a book out there you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, A book that I would like to share. Um, I'm actually, it was funny. I was uh, diagnosed uh, only about uh, nine months ago having ADD for the first time in my life. And, uh, and, I, I found this because my son actually was diagnosed and it turns out that it's, it's very much a hereditary thing. And, it, you know, it, it, the one thing that I, I was kind of robbed of growing up and until recent years is the fact that I, I've always had a real difficult time reading and because of this. And so I, I found myself unfortunately not reading as much because I just didn't enjoy reading. So I've, I've, I've only recently started, started reading, but I've also been very busy. So I don't have a lot of time to read. So as far as like a really great book, you know, I, I, I got a lot out of listening, um, and, and reading through Steve Jobs's, his book, you know, on, oh, on the biography, yeah. yeah, the biography and, and kind of what he went through. And, and I've uh, just started into the other one about uh, Phil Knight, and it's called Shoe Dog, which I'm 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 finding to be very interesting as well. But I haven't got all the way through it yet, so I don't know enough to, to give you advice on it. But um, but yeah, I'd say those those are a couple of good sort of inspirational entrepreneurial books that I would probably recommend. Yeah, the book of Jobs, of course. Walter Isaacson wrote that book. Uh, yeah, great book. And I haven't read the one, the, uh, now what was the, the other one about the, the Nike founder? Yeah, it's called Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog. Okay. Yeah, Shoe I haven't dog, read that yeah. one. I'll have to it look that up. About, 
kind of the trials and tribulations that that Phil Knight went through in starting uh, Nike. And there you uh, go. So yeah. that's an interesting one. There you go. I'll make sure I put uh, post to both of those on uh, Grant's show notes page so that you can find those books. All right, Grant, we're up to the checkered flag here, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool, maybe you already answered this question, any cool collector car that exists out there. I'm going to park it in your garage, but there are some rules to my game that you have to abide by. You have to drive it. No garage queens. It's the only collector car you can have in your garage. You can only have one, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. So that little trick's off the table. What can I buy you? Well, how many of your guests answered both the, uh, if you could wake up and be a car and, and have a car in your garage the same way? That's the one, one thing I would ask. Probably a few, but not everybody. So if you want a mirror, it's going to be a mirror, right? Yeah, I, I'm reaching right now to think about something else that other than a mirror that I would want, but I'm finding myself. Well, let me put it this way. My dream, my passion is to build my own car, my own design at some point. So if you could allow me to wake up one day and have the car that I designed in my garage, that would probably be be the thing that I would want the most, I would say. I see. So what I'm going to have to do is fund your own car design and build. I get it. Well, that's okay. I've had a few people ask for that. So I'm happy to do that. Just just give me an address to send the checks to and you get to work and you know, every month you check in with some designs, show me you're actually doing something and not just heading off to the island somewhere with all my money. But in the meantime, we'll park that Mira in your driveway okay. uh, just a, as a little inspiration. There you okay. go. Well, Grant, you've taken me on a great ride today. I want to thank you for calling in and want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that car that you're going to design? Yeah, well, I would uh, I would end my uh, end my session here with with this. I would say, don't be afraid to fail often and fail fast. Definitely, definitely. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you there in the school you're working at? Um, well, you could uh, follow along uh, Ivine and Young Academy. Uh, we have uh, all the different social media feeds. As um, that would probably be the best way. Um, you know, people could always uh, reach out to me uh, directly. My, you know, it's my uh, last name, Delgatti at usc.edu. Be uh, happy to follow up with any questions anyone might have. And yeah, I've enjoyed this time very much. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. And thank you for being so generous today with your time. I know you're on your way uh, to an event, but I appreciate you pulling over and talking with me today. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars yeah TV is making its mark. Cars yeah TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!